This is the Doc Buddy Journal. I'm your host, Eric Sunset. This episode is being recorded on Wednesday, August 30th, 2023. I want to wish everybody one, maybe final, happy National ASC Month for the year. This is certainly going to be the last episode that we record during National ASC Month. So to everybody that's still celebrating, we hope it's a joyous one. Soak it up because it's going to be another 11 months until we're uh, ready for the next one. As part of Doc Buddy's celebrations, we had a couple of really great ASC experts on the show the prior two episodes, starting with Maura Cash, who is the VP of Clinical Strategies at HST Pathways. She shared her expertise on what the right technology can do for your surgery center. Then we followed that up with a guest appearance from Emily Spooner, who's based down here near me. She's in Broward County, Florida, Fort Lauderdale. I'm based in Miami. So just a hop, skip, and a jump down I-95 for her. We had Emily on episode 34 to give her take on the right technology in the surgery center, what that can do for your workflows, what that can do for surgeon satisfaction, as well as patient outcomes. And she also provided a few gems around being able to negotiate the price of your supplies. So if you haven't listened to these yet, I highly recommend that you do. It is our prior two episodes in the catalog and there's actually four places now where you can either watch or listen to the Doc Buddy Journal. The episode with Mora marked the first Doc Buddy Journal being put onto video. That means it's on YouTube. Great. Be sure you're subscribed there if you're a YouTube kind of a person. Still available on Apple Pods, still available on Spotify. And we are very much available at any given time on DocBuddy.com. To get to the podcasts on DocBuddy.com, I'll point you towards our blog page if you want to watch them. If you want to just listen, we have a player on DocBuddy.com that holds all of our podcasts, or just listen to them wherever you normally listen to them. Love it either way. So if you haven't already, I highly recommend that you either watch or listen to both of those episodes. There's a lot of value for our folks in ASCs, and really there's a lot of value even if you're not in an ASC, if you're at the clinic, if you're at the hospital, if you manage a home health type of organization. The bottom line is the right technology will go a long way for you. And you heard that right, because we're now up to four places where you can either watch or listen to the Doc Buddy Journal. If you're a video feed type of person, check us out on YouTube. Get yourself subscribed there. You can also watch our videos on docbuddy.com slash blog. All of our blog posts for podcasts that have video have the video embedded right there. You're still able to listen to us on Apple Pods, on Spotify. We also have a podcast player, so like an audio-only podcast player on docbuddy.com. You can find the podcast page by hovering over resources. So hopefully it's not too big of a disappointment, but this is a man in the arena type of episode. No guest today. We will be joined by a guest next next week. We'll keep you in suspense though. You'll have to wait and see. Hopefully you're subscribed so you get the notification that there is a new Doc Buddy Journal available, depending on wherever you like to either watch or listen. And with that, um, let's discuss OpNote really briefly. This episode, because it is the man in the arena today, this episode is brought to you by our OpNote solution. So for those who aren't familiar, DocBuddy OpNote is the middle of the Venn diagram where the edges are how the surgeon wants to do their operative reports and then how everybody else at the facility that's a stakeholder to that op report wants them to be done. 
And the reason the dock body op node is in the middle of this Venn diagram is because it gives the surgeon what they want, which is dictation. They love that workflow. We know transcription is still huge in the marketplace, but it gives not only the surgeon, but the rest of the facility a truly digital outcome. And that's unlike with what you see with transcription. That's unlike what you see on the either desktop-based voice recognition programs or even the EHR, that those end up not being the surgeon's favorite because they're tied to the desk. With DocBuddyOpNote, you have total mobility, you have the workflow that surgeons like, and then you get that totally digital outcome because of it. So for the rest of the episode, we've got a couple of headlines that are noteworthy. Over the summer, if you're a regular listener of the show, you'll have heard quite a bit about AI, about chat GPT and EHRs. I actually had a great episode with Erica Palmer, uh, also of HST uh, Notoriety, the good, the bad, and the ugly of AI in healthcare. Wanted to share a little bit of the good with you because as chat GPT gains broader and broader adoption, as more and more folks look to AI to ease the load, not only on physicians, but on patients, we're starting to see some really cool things uh, enter the market. And this first headline is brought to you from our friends at Becker's ASC. So thank you for a little bit of media to share here. The headline is that chat GPT can eliminate jargon in medical forms, thus making them easier to understand and quicker to read for patients. That when you look at a standard medical form, they can be complicated, they can be filled with jargon, it can make them difficult for the patient to understand. And especially so because you're putting these forms in front of people that are already in a stressful moment. And I can relate over the summer back in June, had an appendix taken out. You know, you don't plan on that type of thing happening, but it sure can happen. Anyway, so quick aside there, it's not a whole lot of fun to be going into the operating room or to be thinking about going into the operating room. You get stuck with some forms. Hey, read these over, fill them out and uh, give them back to us when you're done. So that's not great to be in that, that mental state and need to comprehend forms. So can chat GPT help kind of translate some of this? Apparently the answer is yes. Researchers from Providence, Rhode Island based Lifespan and Somerville, Massachusetts based Mass General Brigham fed 15 surgical consent forms from teaching hospitals across the country into the AI chatbot, ChatGPT, and asked it to convert them to the average American's reading level. If you're keeping up with the headlines, unfortunately, the average American's reading level isn't all that great uh, these days. But after running these forms through the language bot, the forms had fewer characters, less words, and it actually lowered reading time from about three and a half minutes down to two and a half minutes. So it shaved just about a minute off of the total time, including a reduction in passive voice, which if you're any type of an APA style expert, you'll know passive voice has a very specific place in the written word and generally using it in a form isn't ideal. A quick quote from the lead researcher, Dr. Rohaid Ali, MD, who's a neurosurgery resident at Rhode Island Hospital. His hope is that this makes it so that consent forms read less like terms and condition statements and more like how they should read for someone who's entrusting their life in doctor's hands. And what's not to like about that? You're taking a maybe a somewhat complicated form and you're making it easier to understand 
that certainly will go a long ways towards increasing patient comprehension of what they're actually asking to be signed, reduces confusion, reduces any irritation at having to actually sign that form, and hopefully that more relaxed mental state can contribute to a better outcome for the patient. Now to put this into production as any sort of a healthcare facility, be it inpatient or outpatient at the ASC, obviously you're gonna to need to get legal and compliance involved to be sure that ChatGPT didn't spit out uh, anything ridiculous, that it didn't wipe away any of your terms and conditions from the form, right? Like, unfortunately there's liability at play here. But I think this avenue of using these LLMs, the large language models, ChatGPT is one of them, obviously. Using the LLMs to make things easier for patients seems like the quickest road to gains in efficiency to me. And the reason for that is, like we just said, you're going to need to get legal and compliance involved because somebody needs to double check its work. When we talk about putting ChatGPT into an EHR, who's going to be the one checking its work? Are you going to be asking the patient? who really doesn't have a great understanding of that EHR output to review their own note? No. Are you gonna be asking an MA to do so? Well, no, they're more than likely capable, but they're not the doctor. They're not the rendering or overseeing physician. So then who's going to have to double check its output? Well, you're gonna be asking that already burned out physician to double check that whatever you just asked ChatGPT to put into the chart to be sure that it's correct, to be sure that it contributes to that patient's positive outcome, that there aren't any type of safety issues, drug counterindications, is the drug even on the patient's formulary? Now, depending on your place of service, you're gonna be relying on that physician to both enter data and then double check it, at least in my estimation, and that's something that they say, they being the physicians, that they don't want to do. They're already burned out because of the technology they have to use. So you're going to ask them to do even more with the technology that they don't want to use. I don't really see that happening. But progress marches on. Technology marches on. I hope to be proven wrong because anything we can do, you know, this is a core tenet of DocBuddy, anything we can do to make the physician's day easier, to get them away from feeling like they're chained to their workstation or to their computer, that they can't leave their laptop alone for more than five minutes at a time, would be a good thing. So we will see. And that's actually kind of a nice segue to our second of two headlines. So a little bit shorter show this week, I think we'll end up with. That's okay. It's a holiday week. We've got Labor Day coming up on Monday. I think everybody's plans, hopefully everybody has some really great plans for Labor Day. And I bet you're already thinking about them if you do. One other headline shared from Becker's ASC, like they do such a good job collecting the news. It's, it's easy just to go to one spot and find out everything you need to know. <clears throat> but they flashed an article into my inbox. The best parts about being an employed physician, clicked it, a couple of things caught my eye. I mean, if you've been in healthcare long enough, you know there's a pendulum that kind of swings back and forth from independent physicians to employed physicians. I think we're starting to see that pendulum sort of swing towards the employed side, even further to the employed side, I guess I should say. So I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase some of the talking points here that for physicians, choosing whether to be employed or self-employed can be one of the biggest decisions they make during their careers. While there are pros and cons to both options, here's what employed physicians like most about their work setup. 
And this is actually according to Medscape's 2023 Employed Physicians Report, which they published eh, about a week ago. Top reason physicians like being employed. They don't have to run a business. Number two, stable income. About half of respondents said stable income was one of their favorite things about being employed. Employer pays for malpractice insurance. I get that. What a necessary evil insurance is, isn't it? Work-life balance. That they get to work with large teams and staff. That they get to spend less time on rules and regulations. And company management weighing in at the bottom. Now, there's certainly some perks to being an employed physician, like the study shows, you don't have to run a business and you have essentially a guaranteed income, or at least a more stable income than running your own practice. But the other side of this coin, the other side of this coin is that when you go as a physician from independence to employment, you're now playing into some of the most direct factors that correlate with your burnout. And that's not just me sitting on the sidelines as a vendor, you know, sitting here as your, your VP of marketing at Doc, but telling you that that's how physicians respond to polls. When surveys and polls come out and the respondents are physicians and they are asked, what is driving your burnout? Why are you feeling so burned out? Well, we know technology is one of the top reasons, bad technology that is. But the rest of the reasons that physicians feel burned out revolve around a lack of autonomy. So there's certainly the perks to becoming an employed physician, but you know, when you remove technology from the equation of what is driving physician burnout, what is driving so many physicians to retire early, what is keeping students out of medical schools to become physicians, they're all related to a lack of autonomy and workload. So I find it interesting that there's reporting around the perks around being an employed physician even though that is one of the primary drivers for burnout being that lack of autonomy, being a cog in a machine, not having any say over your your care protocols. So that runs a little bit counter to me. I certainly understand the finances side of things, especially not wanting to pay malpractice insurance. I know those are big checks that have to be written every month if you are owning your own practice. But and this isn't even self-serving, you know, Doc Buddy is happy to work with management companies, happy to work with big hospital corporations, and we do. But if you've got the nose for business as a physician, I think you give yourself a huge edge over your colleagues that either are running to be employed or that just don't want to put up with the slightly more, slightly higher hurdles to clear as a private practice owner versus an employed physician. I think you're setting yourself up for longer term success as long as you can navigate the burnout factors. So as long as you can navigate selecting the right technology to use at your practice, and there's some really great options out there. And especially if you're bought into the implementation and training portion, once you select one of these technologies, and obviously on the practice side, because of MacroMips, if you're seeing any Medicare patients, you have to have a certified EHR at this point, unless you're just okay with the reimbursement reduction. Some folks are. But if you can select the right technology, if you can not let it be a burden or use DocBuddy to lessen your administrative load, which we do, and then you can get the right office manager, the right billing team, heck, even start thinking about outsourcing your revenue cycle to one of the reputable vendors out there, you know, again, of which, of which there are many, I think you're giving yourself a leg up owning your own practice versus becoming employed. Now there's caveats to all of this. I'm not your financial planner and I don't want to be. 
but there are plenty of pros and cons on each. But I think for the overall health of the system, more physicians in private practice would be preferable as a healthcare consumer. I'm not speaking about what DocBuddy thinks here. Kind of already addressed that. But as a healthcare consumer, you want more private practices than you want employed physicians that are part of the local hospital uh, group. Anyway, just my two cents there. So with that, we're going to put a bow on this episode. As always, thank you for listening to the DocBuddy Journal. To learn more about DocBuddy and all of the solutions that help you minimize provider burnout, if not eliminate it outright, and maximize efficiency, we want you to visit DocBuddy.com. We'll set up an intro call for you, get a demo put together for you. It's all, we're all very easy to work with here. And in closing, once again, be sure you're subscribed on Apple Pods, Spotify, YouTube, and you can always watch us on our site, docbuddy.com. You've also got the option to follow us on LinkedIn, where we post the juiciest, tastiest nuggets from our podcast for your short form consumption. Until next time, and once again, thanks on behalf of the entire DocBuddy team. I'm Eric Sunset. We'll talk to you after Labor Day.